So we heard in our first reading a little bit about God's plan and, and how we find ourselves in this kind of suffering world that we find ourselves in. And we just had a tornado touch ground next to my old parish, St. Rayfield in Naperville. We see various forms of tragedy all in our own lives and just kind of on a regular basis. And we see different forms of evil that maybe terrify us on a regular basis or at least tempt us to be anxious or terrified uh, just from different human beings. And so in our first reading, we get a little bit of context for this. Why would God allow some of the physical and moral evil to exist in the world as it is? God did not make death. He did not make death in the beginning. It wasn't a part of his original plan. Nor does he rejoice in the destruction of the living. For he fashioned all things that they might have existence and being. For God formed man to be imperishable. We were not created to be perishable. The image of his own nature of his own nature he made them. But by the envy of the devil death entered the world. And they who belong to his company experienced death. And so our Catholic understanding of what it means to be a human being is that at the very beginning when God first created human beings. Now, we can understand this in light of our modern understanding of how the development of the universe and the development of the material world happened. You know, we know that the Big Bang was 14.7 billion years ago. The Earth is roughly 5 billion years old. Human beings in our modern form as we are right now are roughly 70,000 years old. And so we can, you know, we can kind of understand this however we want to understand it, right? But in the beginning, God did something to us. We're very different than every, everything else that we can observe. And so he gave man the capacity to think through things and to, and to freely choose. We have the capacity for free choice. And our first parents who had this capacity, who had souls, let's say, Adam and Eve, we hear about them in the very first few chapters of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We hear that they had a choice. And their choice was to be obedient to God and live in this, paradox, this paradisical state that they were in which is what we just read earlier in our first reading, without the intention of death from God. But they, of course, sinned. And by sinning, death enters existence. And so from them, we are their ancestors, 
And even genetically, we, we all trace back to the same woman and the same man, which is very interesting. And so we have inherited what we call original sin. And the corruption of all of the material world also coincided with the moral corruption that Adam and Eve acquiesced to, that they freely chose. And so now we, we live in a world where all of us experience this thing called concupiscence, which is a propensity towards things that are not good for us. And we can know, you know, for instance, very simple, simple example, we could know I should not eat that second scoop of ice cream or that second sundae or that large fry at McDonald's or whatever, and we still do it anyways. We know it's not good for us, we still do it anyways. We want the momentary satisfaction that it brings us, and this is kind of the propensity towards sin, which we call concupiscence. And so what happened to the world is, from Adam and Eve on, is there is an introduction of evil to the world. Now, the word evil has a few different meanings that are rooted in the same meaning. Evil is just a, a deprivation of the good. That's all the word evil means, a deprivation of the good. It's not its own force, like in Star Wars. It's not the dark side. Evil is a deprivation of the good. It's, all, it's more like a cavity in a tooth, you might think. Cavity in a tooth, though, can cause a lot of damage. And you can feel, you can feel the ramifications of, of the decay of the good, of the tooth. And so there is both moral evil, there is a spiritual evil that we speak of, and that is sin, which is very real and has very real effects. And then there is physical evil. That's, if you're thinking about the tornado, natural disasters, if we're thinking about the fact that we as human beings die, everybody dies, nobody in the world right now is over 125 years old, everybody's gone. We're all going to, most likely, unless Christ comes during our lifetime, we're most likely all going to die. That's a physical evil. A deprivation of the good because life is what's good and disease and so on and so forth those are physical evils and so we live in this world that was not intended from the beginning by the Creator but he allowed it because he wanted to allow us to to exercise freedom this world we are made for and so Jesus, and this is, this is what I'm leading up to, okay? So Jesus, in today's gospel, walks into this world that is both physically and spiritually not how it should be. Not how he himself, along with the Father and the Spirit, created it. Jesus came to restore nature. 
He's not just a moral teacher. Behold, I make all things new, he says in the book of Revelation. Jesus came to bring order back into a disordered, chaotic world. And so as we see Jesus act throughout the Gospels, he is like this force of positive energy. He has an authority about him. Everywhere he moves, things change. Because the world is kind of a mess. And so Jesus has this encounter with this woman who's been suffering from bleeding for 12 straight years. This is both a physical and a spiritual problem for her. Because if you had an ailment like this woman has, she would be considered at the time ritually unpure. So she couldn't participate in any of, uh, any of her religious customs. She could not connect with God in the way that her brethren could. If she touched, if she touched someone else, they would become impure. So you can imagine how kind of isolating this experience was for this woman on a spiritual, relational level, and then on a physical level, she's, she's bleeding all the time. So she's, she's just kind of a mess. And we read this from the woman. There was a woman afflicted with hemorrhages for 12 years. She had suffered greatly at the hands of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet she was not helped, but only grew worse. Here, when I think about the different doctors, and I'm not going to start ripping on any of the doctors that we have in the church right now, um, I think of, of scholars. And I think of the people who are the promoters of whatever the current in philosophy, in vogue philosophy, or theology, or ideology, are. And throughout human history, you just see this. There's these trends, and these things that become, these movements that become popular. And so I think about, I think about like St. Augustine, the famous convert from the from the 300, 400s. St. Augustine was a manichae before he converted to Catholicism. That was like the in philosophy. In the 60s, you can think about maybe Eastern religion was getting big in the 1960s. Um, drugs, sexual liberation, the whole hippie movement. That was kind of like the in philosophy. That was like the in thing what was being taught. This is how you fix your ailments. This is how you become happy and free. Nowadays, I think about the idea of being spiritual but not religious. There's so many things nowadays that I could name right here, by the way. I think about being spiritual but not religious. I think about our kind of therapeutic society where we have replaced 
priests, with therapists, and spiritual, uh, spiritual prescriptions for medical prescriptions. These things are not inherently bad in and of themselves, of course. Um, I'm friends with a ton of therapists. It's very good. But it can't be a substitute. I think about some of our modern ideologies and their prescriptions. There's just so many political ideologies now. This is what it means to be a human. This will fix you. Just do what we say. You'll be liberated. All the doctors with their two cents. And this woman is left as, as poor and as desolate, even more so than when she first tried to find her cure. She said, if I but touch his clothes, I'll be cured. And immediately her flow of blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Jesus, aware at once that power had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and asked, Who has touched my clothes? The woman doesn't even touch Jesus. She just touches his clothes. That's how powerful Jesus is. I think about myself as a young man just grazing Jesus' clothes. Kind of living in that, just the same as all of, all of my peers at the time, living the hedonistic lifestyle that college offers. Once again, going back to those doctors, right? This is what will cure, your, cure you of your humanity, of whatever is fallen or hurting inside. Just do these things. These will help you. And I think about just the words that I heard on the radio of this priest speaking about Jesus. It's like touching his clothes. And something in me was changed. I felt the power that the woman feels. Slowly as I moved closer to him, I found that which hurt inside of me be healed. Jesus acts very silently. He's not very flashy most of the time. He tells his disciples at the end of the Gospel, keep all this quiet. When he walks in, of course, to, uh, to heal this little girl. And he says those famous words, Talitha Kum. He just touches her, and she's immediately resurrected. He restores her. He brings back order where there is disorder. But also you can remember just a few moments earlier, Jesus has this conversation, and they all laugh at him. You just imagine this. They're all just laughing at Jesus. Like he's an idiot. What are you talking about? This girl is not dead. You're an idiot. Jesus talks about the world itself 
as not being under the full authority of God right now. He says the prince of this world, which is the devil, Satan, is the one who's in charge of the world. So it's kind of like a tipsy-turvy world that we live in, where God himself is actually ridiculed and laughed at. The one who created us. The source of all truth. They crucified God when he came among us. We crucified God. It's a better way to say it. Think about that. So they're going to laugh at Jesus because everything's tipsy-turvy. I remember my buddy in college when I was just, once again, when I was just getting into the faith and learning the teachings of the Catholic Church, finding them healing for my own soul and following Jesus as being so liberated, natural, organic. And I remember explaining how the Catholic Church understood some of our sexual morality and abortion. And this guy is a really, really sharp guy. He just kind of, uh, he just kind of like uh, worked it out in his own mind. He goes, okay, well, if you believe that, then that means that you can't believe that you're allowed to use artificial contraception. Of, of course, of which he was right. I was like, yeah, you're right, actually. I was like, that was pretty clever that you got there from these principles, which we just talked about. And then he, I'll never forget this, he just started dying laughing. He's, he thought that was the craziest thing he had ever heard. Everything's kind of tipsy-turvy. And Jesus and the Lord that we follow moves about quietly and he heals and he is the answer and he's the only one that can really heal us. Jesus, thank you for the gift of drawing us to yourself, for making it easy to just basically turn towards you hardly at all and still receive your healing. Help us to just move a little bit closer to you today and just in the ordinary days of our lives to just please make it our first reaction to touch your cloak, to move our mind and our will towards you in prayer. Help us, Lord, to allow you to heal us, to allow you to teach us. Help us to be like Peter, James, and John, who are not laughing. Help us to be close with you and to remember the miracles that you do do in our lives. And we have short memories, Lord. Help us to remember the things that we see and to follow you and stay close to you. Through Christ our Lord, amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord Jesus in our hearts.